Wayne, Ben McKee, live here with you from, well, I'm from, I'm from the studio, I'm in the studio right now, and, and Ben is live from the A, ATL, let's get to the phones, good morning, who do we have with us on this fine, hey man, this is Eric, hey Eric, what's up man, hey, so, just to touch on that, uh, the quote from the, the Florida coaches there, a couple things. So I saw that posted last night on a message board. Do we know Do we know the defensive coordinator's actual quote, or are we just going off this dude that's probably, you know, fishing for likes, taking a little snippet of what he said, making it, you know, sound like he's crapping on Tennessee? No, I just, got, I just saw the quote, man. The quote, the quote didn't bother me, so I didn't even go to – Look at the entire um, paragraph or what was said uh, entirely because it just didn't bother me because I, you know, I, yeah. I didn't think he was wrong. It shouldn't because okay, how many did the how many points did the mighty Kentucky offense score in South Carolina? You know, sixteen. Yeah. They scored one touchdown. How much did they score on University of Tennessee Tattanooga? You know, three touchdowns? I mean, Kentucky's not this juggernaut everybody's trying to make them out to be. No, but they're but they're better than us right now. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, they are better than us right now. <laughs> like, they're a better football team than, than we us. We haven't played the game. Yeah, but, like, it doesn't matter because we don't play them right now. So what matters is that when we play them, that we are a better football team that, that like, that day. But – I think if we play the season and they play the season, I would be surprised if they don't have a better record than us. Well, they play the games. I mean, they, they, they're constructed better than us right now. They haven't had 30 people leave the transfer portal. Like, it's okay to admit that they're, that they're in a better position and that they may be a better football team. It doesn't mean we're going to lose to them, but it just means that what Todd Grantham said, you know, is, is – is maybe not wrong. I mean, you got better depth. Their offensive line is certainly better. They have been better as a unit for for multiple years. So, like, it's it's okay to admit it. Kentucky's a better yeah. football team than 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 us in eighteen, but we still beat them. So nineteen sure, was, was it nineteen or eighteen? Which one was it? Eighteen. Sure, but Florida's playing the two thousand twenty one Kentucky team that just scored sixteen points on South Carolina. Almost Correct. got beat by UTC. Correct. Correct. You know, we're not talking about program stability over the last few years or whatever. We're talking about how good this offense is this year. And I'm not seeing it. Listen, they almost got beat by UTC. But Todd Grantham yep. can watch film and go, okay, t- that Kentucky offensive line is better than Tennessee's. And their challenge for them is a whole lot harder. And he could be true. Like, he could be right. He could be true. Yeah, I'd like to see their actual, you know, I'd like to see the whole transcript or see the see the interview. I'm thinking this dude may be uh, just fishing for, for some likes, you know, trying to stir the pot a little bit with Tennessee fans because everybody knows what a social media presence Tennessee fans have and, you know, get you some attention. Yep. Now, you are so, right about that. We are easy, right, easy targets. I don't know, man. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for the phone call. We are right. easy, easy targets. If you, if you want to get likes, you want to get retweets, you want to get a reaction, then talk about Tennessee. That's the way to do it. You see it all the time, Ben. That's, that is more your world than mine. But you see it all the time, man. It's it's uh, I, I, it's unfortunate. I saw it yesterday. People did not like my my question about why the receivers are dropping dropping passes. Why why people didn't like your question? Because the only reason passes are dropped, apparently, is solely because of concentration. Okay. Nothing else factors into catching a football, apparently. I mean, it is, it, it is about focus. It's the majority of it, but it's not the only thing that determines whether you catch the football. Yeah, it's some, it's some, it's some poor habits, man, that, that is, that is, that is carrying over from the practice field to the game field. That's, that's, that is for sure. Um, but I listen. 
when you have plays that happen in the game that get you beat and a, and a group is not playing up to a certain standard, the head coach is going to be asked about that. I thought the question was fair, and uh, folks need to need to need to. Well, man up. I, I think I, well the way I tweeted it out, I worded it like, "Hey, I tried to ask Josh Heupel about the drops, and, and he didn't answer." Like I said that in my tweet, and I think that was was taken the wrong way, as if like I was being snarky towards uh, Heupel for not answering it. But that truly wasn't my intent because I, I didn't expect Heupel. To, to answer the question. And I don't, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't blame Heifel for not answering the question because when, when you dive into to why the, the balls are being dropped, you're going to throw somebody under the bus. And if, if you're Josh Heifel, you don't want to throw anybody under the, the bus. So I, I think the way I worded my tweet um, was, was misinterpreted as if I was taking a shot at Heifel for not answering the question, but that truly wasn't my intent. I was gotcha. just stating that, Hey, he, he chose not to answer it, and that was that was fine. But the question was going to be asked by somebody, if not me, and, and should be asked because it's one of the biggest storylines with this football team right now. They they have a they have a problem with catching the football, and there there needs to be an explanation as to why concentration plays a big part in it, but concentration isn't the sole determining factor of catching the football. There, there, are, there are things that you do as a receiver that, that dictate whether you catch football or not. Let's, let's, uh, let's go to the phones, man. Uh, good Would morning. Would you agree with that last part? Um, I, I think I think majority of it is focus and concentration. I mean, it could yes. be uh, – there's times where you could be focused, concentrated on the ball and still not catch it. So – you know, it, it's hard for me to sit here and say, even though I did say yesterday, it's all about focus and concentration. But that was for me. I mean, for me, it was about focus and concentration. So I try not to project my my personal beliefs and my personal experience on every receiver that dropped the pass because it may be different for someone else. So I think that, Drops are all about concentration and focus. That's that's just me. I've never really asked another receiver um, their reason for dropping a pass. But I just think that if you are locked in and focused on catching the football, you catch it with your eyes, you see the ball hit your hands, and then you tuck the ball the proper way, you should never drop a pass. And I can yeah. go back and look at the times that I dropped a pass. It was because I didn't do those things. I guess the way I was looking at it, is there are things that that these receivers, the bad habits that you continue to talk about, those bad habits are leading to the drops. They're building up, and, and as a result of, of poor execution before the ball gets there is leading to the drops. I guess that was the, the way I was viewing it. Um, well, because they're, they're just they're not preparing. It's like not studying for the test. Like I, you didn't study for the test, and you got to the test, and when the test was thrown at you, you failed. I'll tell you this: uh, 2004, I had a drop against Alabama um, on a dig route, and the reason why I dropped it is because I ran a piss poor route. And that's so, what I'm getting at. Yeah. So the route, the route did affect. My 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 catch. Even though I did try to look the ball in, but the ball was so you know it was so far away from my hands, and it was an awkward angle. But I'm the one that created the poor angle because I didn't run a good route. So, um, I probably I probably would have called it five out of ten times or seven out of ten times, but I dropped it that time. So, like if you run the correct route. And the ball hits you in the hands, and you don't catch it. That is one hundred percent to me. Focus and concentration, and I think that's yes. something that's being carried over from practice. And we have we don't have the the, the correct habits, and um, that's just the best way I can say it. The nicest way I can say it. I'm not gonna lie about it. So let's go to the phones. And uh, good morning. Who we have? You got Rob. Hey Rob. Good morning. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think. Florida's back on our schedule this week, and so we, we we're reliving this. And my thing here is, is 
we need to, to get better as a Tennessee fan. Quit living in somebody else's press conference. Quit worrying about it. Doesn't matter. They're not back on our schedule. You know, and that's, this is just like the team snap it clear. We, this week's Missouri. We're going to concentrate on Missouri. I think Tennessee can improve and continue to improve and quit, you know, quit worrying about what Todd Grantham said. Truth is, is Todd Grantham should worry the fact that one player goes out, we can't run the ball, but we were able to run the ball up until then. That's not good on his defense. All right. So just, just let that go. We need to figure out how to run the ball with Cooper Mays and without Cooper Mays. And we need to figure out how to, to catch the ball. And once we, because the routes are there, the players are open. You know what? To me, I'm just seeing things that can be fixed. I'm seeing things that we can work through. And we're not there. You're right. We're, we're not to where we want to be. But this is Missouri week. Am I wrong? Can we not, can we not mention what the Florida coach said about playing us versus playing a team next week that we're, that we're going to play later on in the season? We can't, we can't mention it one time, Rob? No, I mean – you know what I'm saying. My, what I'm trying to say here is, is that let's snap and clear because I think we get we we get. It's kind of letting Florida beat us twice. We're not playing, Rob. The players are playing. <laughs> I know, I know, but I am. I, I mean, seriously, it's it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous how much sometimes as fans we we kind of live this and and, and rework it. I get that. Because we're not we're not running the tens and turns and all the other things you guys did, but the fact is is that we also should sit there and, and kind of have the same mindset. Because a coach would tell you, you're not playing far this week. You're playing Missouri, and so as a fan, I should I should kind of try to follow in that type of footsteps in my mind. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, and you know hey, you can correct. And, and it doesn't make for great sports radio. I understand. Well, but, you know, listen, I, uh, I'm not going to tell you how to think. I, you know. Um, there is a difference between us as fans and the players. The players are not thinking about Florida right now. You know, when I was in the locker room on Sunday, Theo Jackson had already started – he already forgot about Florida. He was already thinking about Missouri, and that's, that's what you do as a player. But for us, you know, <laughs> who are talking about the games, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about Missouri. At least we came out the first part of this show and broke Missouri down against against. Uh, Boston College, and when you go into the next game, you have to look at the previous game and see what we didn't do to fix that mm-hmm. to win the next game. And so um, that's some of what we're doing. And it's really hard to sit here and go, all right, we're not talking about Florida on a Tuesday. We're just talking about Missouri. Because you have to reference what you did or didn't do in the past when you are talking about the upcoming matchup. So – I'm just saying, man, like, I heard his comment and I'm thinking the way that Kentucky and, and yeah, I thought about it too, but the way Kentucky runs, does the RPO is at a little bit more complex and hidden than the way Tennessee runs the RPO. That is a little more challenging. All right. And, and they have a physical line. Which already at this thing at this point you think about it, if you're Florida, you played Alabama, you played Tennessee, and now you're playing Kentucky, those three games right there, Tennessee is the least physical of the three. And so you're already looking at a defensive line that's already probably somewhat tired and it's about to have another physical test. So I mean to me that's how I saw that comment. I didn't take it as a as a backhanded because I mean to me it's just different thing now i mean i was kind of amused and i was wondering your take on uh auburn uh, firing their receivers coach after game what three or four i was i was told when i asked about uh you know the reason for that and um i was told by someone i trust that harson was forced to hire that coach hire that receiver coach by by um, either administration or donors, and I ask myself, have they not learned a lesson? Because you've had those guys meddling uh, for years and years and years, and you got rid of Gus Malzahn, who was the only coach that was successful against Nick Saban 
the way he has been in the regular season. But I understand it got stale. Uh, you wanted a change, but you went out and got Brian Harson. That's necessarily not lit the world on fire either um, before he got to Auburn. And then you go out and you not let Brian Harson hire who he wants to hire. And then he has to wind up firing a coach three, four games in because the chemistry is not right. So same thing when Tennessee and Pruitt fired Brumbaugh. Well, if you would have done your homework yourself or not allow someone to force a coach on you, you don't fire a coach after three games because you would have mm-hmm. spent time knowing that coach, researching that coach, uh, building a relationship with that coach before hiring him. So that makes sense. It, it, you know, it lines up that something happened there with, with Auburn, either that receiver coach was forced on Harson or he didn't really, really hire him. Tennessee – didn't really hire <laughs> Pruitt. Didn't really hire Brumbaugh. It was more like Darren Ansley. Darren Ansley is the one who stood on the table for Pruitt, and Pruitt was like, "All right, cool. All right, we just Derek says he, he's good. Well, well, all right, he's good." And then Pruitt had to learn later that it wasn't a good fit. So that's what I heard down there at Auburn, and uh, I don't think it looks terrible on Brian Harson. You know, I think it looks like, hey, here's a guy that that saw a problem fixed the problem, and didn't let the problem continue for the rest of the season, other people might have a different opinion. Rob, you may have a different opinion, but I, I don't think it looked bad, bad on Brian Hart. No, I just, well, I, just, I think it it shows a program in flux, right? I don't think it's anywhere near the, the, the what is it, dumpster fire that Florida State is right now. Florida State is absolutely, seems to be a toxic environment. Yeah, hey, 0-3, man. Did they lose this weekend again? They lost this last weekend. Yeah, they're 0-4. Ooh. Lost to Wake Forest. Ooh. Yeah, so. As a matter of fact, he, he went on a tirade yesterday for, what, two or three minutes about why it's not that bad that this is the worst start since 1974. Oh, it's bad. 0-4 is bad, man. All right, Rob, man, thanks <laughs> thanks for the phone call, sure. man. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's bad. Uh, let's Let's continue to – uh, go to the phones, and uh, who do we have with us next? What up, bro? What up, Zane? Hello, hello, who we have? It's Rusty, what's up? Hey, Rusty, what's up, man? Well, I was trying to figure out why why Ben's taking shots at Heibel. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> You're funny, UCLA Rusty. <laughs> nah. Rusty Bruin. Yeah. So, um, a couple things. If if Grantham is worried about Kentucky's offense, I, I, I really I'm I'm scared for Florida this weekend then because I mean it's not like Florida stopped us. We had guys running open and we 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 could we moved the ball at will on them. We just we we shot ourselves in the foot. They didn't do much to stop us. So I mean I don't know how they're going to stop Kentucky if if that's more difficult than us. We we we, we let we left about 25, 26 points on the board. I'm worried for Florida. Well, some and, of and, and, some and, and of his gamemanship. Some of his gamemanship too, Rusty. You, you know, I know. I'm yeah, some of his gamemanship. I mean, and we only scored 14 points. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it wasn't it wasn't Florida stopping. It wasn't Todd Grantham and his great defense stopping us. It was us. It was us. You know, self inflicting wounds. Not anything. They 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 weren't they weren't putting bullets between our head, and knocking us out or anything. Or you know, it was it was the other way around. We, we were slitting our own wrists. I don't know. I'm just well, I'm just worried for him. You know, I feel sorry for Todd in his in sport in his sport defense and what they got to what they got to go up against. So I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple hail marys for them going into that ball game. Uh-huh. I, I'm sure the rest of us will. I, I I know one thing. Kentucky loves play action off of uh, Chris Rodriguez, who is one of the best backs in the SEC, and <clears throat> they they love taking shots off of the play action with, with Will Levis. So that Florida secondary, that, in my opinion, is, is not very good, they better come ready to play because Will Levis is going to take a lot of shots down the field. We'll see if they can connect. True. I, I totally agree. So I didn't mention it yesterday, and I can't believe it because I've complained for at least the last two seasons under under the former offense coordinator. We threw a, we threw a true, well-executed screen pass which yep. we haven't done at least since Helton was calling plays. Yep. I, and 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 lo and behold, it, it was successful. 
It sure was. It sure was. Tyon's barely touched. Yep. And and like Ben said, the guys didn't like really you know road grade for him out in front, but everybody everybody screened their guy off, which is really I guess all you got to do is just make sure the defender can't get to him by whatever means necessary. Just get in everybody's way. Just fall fall down in front of them so they can't get to the running back. And I, I I've been clamoring for it, and and hallelujah, we threw one and it, and it looked beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful than that. There's nothing more beautiful than a great screen pass like Andy Kelly to Aaron Hayden in South Bend. To, to win a ball game, that's that's still probably my favorite play in in, in the history of Tennessee football is is nineteen ninety one. Anyway, um, I know we don't talk soccer on this show, and I'm not talking soccer. I'm talking. <laughs> I employ you guys, implore you guys, and everybody else out there in, in Ball Nation. If you if you're looking for a TV show to watch. Looking for something to stream? Put put Ted Lasso on your television, and just go into it blind and watch the show because it is uplifting, touching, um, warm, caring, and a wonderful microcosm of the world and how we can all be better people. And I'm I just wanted to throw that out there because we talk about it a lot on, on on Ben's Ben's you know website that he basically runs now. A lot of there's a pretty big uh, thread on it. It's a, it's a great show, Ted Lasso. Check it out. It, it'll it'll give you a good perspective on on what we should really be caring about in this world. I like it, man. All right, love you guys. Much love, much love. Thank you, Rusty. You bet. Appreciate you, Rusty. Uh, who we have next? Good morning, line three here. Hello. Good. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm pretty good. This is Mitch. Mitch? Yeah. Hey, Mitch, good morning, man. Uh, ben going after Hypo like that in the next press conference when Ben asked the question, is Hypo going to say, uh, Ben, I don't know how much you know about football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, anyway, I, I don't know. Somebody may have already addressed this, asked this question, but like, how good are our backup tackles? To where we could, you know, I know Coop being out, where we can't slide Cade inside either at left guard or, you know, I know Cade could play center too because it seems like, you know, 80 or 90% of our running plays are going up the middle anyway. I mean, are they, are they, you know, I know Cade's probably our best lineman, but I mean, is there that big a difference? We, we thin, Mitch. Because we are we are really thin um, at offensive line. So, uh, Ben, Mitch's question is about uh, putting other guys at tackle. Um, you know, sliding, sliding. Do I have to answer? Sliding do, do I have to answer that question? Yeah, sliding Cade in <laughs> different position. And uh, we just, Mitch, I just, you know, I think to answer your question without really getting into too much detail and, and, and you know, Harping on the lack of talent on the offensive line and depth, um, and you know I won't, don't want to put anybody down, but we just we just don't we just don't have the, the horses at offensive line right. to to do what you want to do there. I understand that. My other thing, you know, the the Callaway drop, and and you've already touched on it, you know, concentration or whatever. But you you got, you know, it even starts at Pee Wee League watch the ball all the way into your hand and you could see he took a peek up field right when the ball was getting there and we we've seen that a hundred times. You you break concentration, take your eye off the ball for just a second and you know, it's over. But uh like I said, you know, look looking forward to this week and uh that's all I'll say today. Go balls. Hey thank you thank you, Mitch. And like I would understand right. if it was and and I'm I'm sorry Rob, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that that drop that play because <laughs> it it's gonna it's gonna help people understand that play a little bit better versus man. You should know that you have room. There's no one that's going to be there. As soon as you identify a man as you're running your route, you should, be, you should know that when you catch the ball, there's no one that's going to be right there to hit you. 
So there's no reason to have to peek upfield, take your eyes away from the ball because you know it's man and it's it's an empty lane. Now, when you catch the ball, you get upfield, you're going to have some blockers out in front, but understand that they're probably going to get off those blocks at some point, and then you're going to have an alley runner at safety that's coming. It's going to be a one-on-one tackle uh, for him. And so – and this is this is him. You know, he's a true sophomore. So this is inexperience coming into play. Now, if it's zone and you're running that, that rub, let's say Florida shows you man pre-snap and then goes to zone post-snap. Well, there's some other guys that maybe are, are open or you are the only read because you see the guys blocking on the perimeter after Callaway caught the ball. Maybe that was just a, a two-man route. But even if it was a two-man route, if it's zone, you are told to sit in zone. And when you catch it, you're not supposed to be worrying about going east or west anyways. You're going north and south. You're catching it, tight turning, and getting upfield as quick as possible. So to Mitch's phone call, there's not a reason really to be peeking or looking because no one is going to be right there to hit you as soon as you catch the football. Remember when the Titans play the – I want to say the Seahawks. And A.J. Brown had that that drop. It was like a skinny post, and he was trying to – kind of make a cut in the air before he caught the ball because he was peeking. Like, he had a reason to kind of peek because that safety's about to come and hit him as soon as he caught the ball. Where on Callaway's uh, drop, it was man. There was no one right there. And so you kind of know that as you as you get a little bit older. All right, I'm running the crossing route. It's man. My guy was picked. When I catch it, I know I got some daylight. All right. Um, there's times when you are running through zones where – you do have to peek a little bit. You got to peek to know where the defender is so that way you can catch the ball with your body if you need to or or shield the defender if you need to. But sometimes you do peek at the defender to see where they are, kind of like a punt return. When you're a punt returner, you got to peek at the, at the coverage to see if you got a fair catch it or you can catch it to run. But you just got to make sure that when the ball hits your hands, your eyes are connected to the ball. That's what you have to do. All right, let's um, – Let's go to the text box. Rivers, 1652, says, how did we get so thin on the offense defensive line? It's been known for years that the SEC is a line of scrimmage league. Rivers, look at the uh, transfer portal. Not not just the transfer portal. I, I think at least with the offensive line, the, the bigger issue with the offensive line is the missed evaluations over the last – several recruiting classes there are bodies in the receiver or uh, in the offensive line room they're just not sec quality bodies in the offensive line room and i I hate to be that blunt because we don't want to throw anybody under the bus uh, here on the swain event but i mean that's that's the the truth of the matter i mean the the twos and threes along tennessee's offensive line would not be playing at the other premier SEC schools. I mean, it's the same guys that when thrown in against Tennessee Tech struggled because they, they should be playing at that level that Tennessee Tech plays at, quite frankly. So there, there's bodies in the O-line room, and the lack of depth doesn't stem from the lack of bodies, but rather the missed evaluations, in my opinion. That is 100% true, but look at the departures from his offensive line, either to graduation, NFL, or transfer portal. Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, Wanye Morris went to Oklahoma. Jameer Johnson went to Texas a and Both of those guys are, uh, are playing. I know Jameer Johnson was starting right there in the, uh, in the Arkansas game, watched him at left tackle. Left tackle. Yeah. So yep. imagine Wanye's he- not playing a ton, I don't think. But uh, Jameer starting at left tackle. Jameer's the one that Tennessee would rather have right now than Wanye, quite frankly. Yeah, but, imagine, but still, both would, yeah. would be playing right now, probably. Yeah, but imagine if you had both of those guys, you're able to move K back to, to to guard, and the offensive line looks totally different right now. So you are right, 100%, Ben. Um, but I I think the the two transfers hurt you as well too. So it's a combination of misevaluations, and it's a combination of the transfer portal. In, so, in some cases, with some position groups, 
you 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 it's been both cases. Some maybe more transfer portal than than misevaluations. Um, let's go to the phones. I don't think I need to give any examples. And then we'll take we'll take we'll take a break. Uh, good morning. Who do we have? Hey, Turkey Man. Hey, Turkey Man. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. Hey, a uh, couple of things that uh, you guys I haven't heard you mention, but uh, you know I have a problem with players having uh, the same number. We've seen we've seen number one, two number ones on the field, and they had to call. Uh, timeouts from Fusion there, and also they didn't call uh, we, timeout. They just like, ran two guys off and only had down on the field. That's, that's the next, next, next deal. We did that nine on the field uh, a couple times. I've seen already. Also, when Gabe was uh, Gabe McCoop uh, was really hurt in there, he was on TV. You could really tell he just which way did I stand, which way the ball pointing. He was he was really. Not there. Uh, who who lets the coach know? Listen, you need to take care of this. Who take, who lets the coach know? or the players know? Uh, how many players you got to have on the field? Who keeps that going? Because it's evident that our coach is more interested in being fast than uh, a lot of other things. But the next play, the play down the road. Hold on, Turkey Man. Let me stop. Let me talk. Let me stop you because I feel like you're mixing in special teams and K and uh, well, it's Cooper. What's combination, ain't it? Well, the the number of players on the field that's special teams. Cooper's injury is Cooper's injury. So, yes. Are you asking okay. who? Are you asking about the communication during special yeah. teams? Or are you asking so, about? Well, all it's 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 more than just one. Uh, that I'm seeing, that's a concern, and you've mentioned a lot of a lot of the fans have, and you have mentioned about lack of uh, concentration, uh, uh, receivers not, you know, you disappointed, so on and so forth. But the game itself, our offense is fast and in a hurry, and the next play. But you know, all that boils down in going on forward. Uh, we've seen that a couple of times, but we need to, you know, this is costing us by moving players in and out. It's costing us, and that goes in the communication. Is he going to go for it on four? Are we on front? Uh, Turkey man, all those I, I'm, lo- like I'm lost, Turkey Man. Like exactly what you're like well, I'm asking. I'm asking who is responsible for if if he if he size in a quick in a hurry to. You go for it on four, uh, that's fine. Everybody's there. The position coaches are in charge of determining who's in and who's out. Okay. And, and if, if the punt team goes goes in, who, who's uh, who's going who's, – who's doing that? Mike Eckler. Okay. So then we have more than, than uh, uh, more than one people – that's supposed to be in charge or coming on the field at the same time. So does that not happen? Yeah, on that, particular play, on that particular play, Turkey Man, when Trayvon Flowers and Bayless were on the field at the same time, Heupel said yesterday that that was an error on Trayvon Flowers' part. I don't know how it was an error on Trayvon Flowers' part, uh, but Heupel said that Flowers needed to – I can't remember his exact wording, but essentially said that he needed to just just make sure that he takes care of what he needs to do uh, that that next time. I forget his exact wording, so forgive me. But he essentially said that it, that mistake with having both ones on the field was on Flowers. But we've seen that more than one game, right? No, no, no that's that the, we didn't the, have but that, nine. Nine people the, on, on the, the punt team having nine people on the punt team. That's the first time we've seen it this season. Well, we had, we had another game. I don't know what it was, but we only had nine people on the field, or, or ten. We've had we haven't went over. Uh, we haven't had seen in the past twelve and thirteen. But uh, what I'm saying is, we got so many false starts, penalties. We need to we need to work on those things. Uh, I'm with you, Turkey. Man, the penalties are, are definitely concerning. 
Uh, and the, it, it kind of amazes me that Heupel has this track record of penalties, Swain, because I, I think he's a good coach. And the, the penalties aren't the mark of a good, a good coach, quite frankly. No, you can't. Be, uh, so you can't, that, that's con- that's confusing to me. Yeah, you can't you can't beat anybody else until you you know uh, you make sure you're not beating yourself. So yeah, that's why I was a little confused on Target Man's question because like it started with the special teams um, issue with nine guys on the football field. Trayvon Flowers didn't get off, and this is the first time it's happened this season. Considering both guys are starters, and both guys are skill position players, and when you when you was heading into the season, you know this. This is why you didn't make one of those guys change their number. We saw with the previous staff where I think it was I think it, it wasn't Bryce Thompson. It was someone else who was, who was a corner or something, a secondary player that was wearing the same number as someone else, but they had to change because they both were going to be on special teams. I'm not exactly sure exactly remember. who it was, but somebody had changed the number for that reason. So no one changed their number before the first game. Didn't have a problem first game. Didn't have a problem second game. Didn't have a problem third game. And now you had that issue come up against Florida on Saturday. So that was the first time that it happened. So I was confused because I didn't know where Cooper Mays came into that equation. Well, I think uh, I, I think Turkey Man was trying to reference who is in charge of getting Cooper out in that situation because it's it's clear that Cooper needs to come out of the game. So who needs to make the the decision to get him out of the game because he wasn't coming out on his own? So those are two different scenarios. Mike Eckler handles special teams, and then head coach and Glenn Ellaby handles that situation with Cooper Mays. So, good Ellaby is like, he's watching his guys. And if he sees Cooper struggling, then he can get on the headset and talk to Josh Heupel about what to do. I'm sure they didn't really have another option that was better than 60% Cooper Mays. And I think Cooper did not want to come out of the game either. And so, as a coach, you have to make that decision, okay, our guy doesn't want to come out of the game. And, yes, he is clearly not – not 100%, but our next guy wouldn't do any better. Well, and I, I think it's worse than the 60% that, that you mentioned. I, I think he yeah, was well below, below 50, and unfortunately, I I just I, – it's it's impactful situation for Tennessee because yeah. I, I think he's extremely doubtful coming up. Yeah, but, you, but no one's to blame, though. Like, I think no. one thing we want to do is, like, every time something is, is – not perfect or positive, someone has to be the blame. And I don't think anyone's to blame here. Like, Cooper hurt his ankle a couple of weeks ago, and it takes time to heal. He, he's, he's trying to play through an injury. He re-hurt it, and he wants to finish the game. Your depth is not where it needs to be. You could have take, taken Cooper out a little earlier, or you could have let him play a little bit longer. Like, it's, it, it happens. It happens. Like, it happened to me. I took myself out of the game. But if no one would have took me out, dude, I could have been out there another drive or something, another possession, and I could have been the reason why my team throws the interception or makes a mistake. I just so happened to take myself out. But I was a, I was an older player at that time. Cooper is, is, is just a sophomore, and he is gutting it out. He is giving his all. In that moment, it's the coach's job to take him out. Sometimes the coaches have to protect the player from themselves. So it's no different than like a a trainer that's in the corner of a of a boxer's uh, in a corner of a boxer. A boxer doesn't want to stop, but he can't see anymore. He's cut. He's wobbly. He's 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 dizzy. But somebody got to call the fight. Or what's going to happen is that boxer is going to get himself killed because. He's not going to protect himself from himself. So it's no one. It's no one's fault. What happened with Cooper Mays? It's unfortunate that he's hurt, and now he has to do. I mean, round to round treatment. Like he should be spending all of his time in the training room, spending late nights in the training room. This is a situation where all the training staff, uh, especially the head trainer, he's not. He's not getting off until late at night. Um, his 
his kid and my kid are actually in the same same class in elementary. So, sorry, kid, but daddy's going to be home late. He's trying to get Cooper ready to play. <laughs> so, that's going to be one of those situations. I remember that with guys I played with. They were in there to 10, 11 o'clock trying to get ready to go the next week. All right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. Who we got? Uh, Justin in Florida. What's up, Justin? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Cool. Hey, uh, uh, your your co-host there, Ben, absolutely, you know, nailed n- nailed the point earlier about you know the offensive line and some of the missed evaluations. And it's I don't think it's just from a player standpoint. I think it's from a where they may play on the offensive line. And here's what I mean by that. It just seems like when Pruitt was here, we brought in a lot of bodies that were offensive guard type bodies, not offensive tackle type bodies. And, you know, I think that's kind of showing up now that, you know, we probably have a bunch of guys you could plug in at, at guard, but, you know, the tackle position is one, I think, in general in college football that's being – it's becoming tougher and tougher to find like this year from what a lot of recruiting services are saying, seems like this is one of the worst years for offensive tackles coming out of high school. Um, you know, and I just think that's going to be a real challenge for, you know, this team and the staff moving forward is finding ways. Cause hypothetically, you know, Kate, Kate's definitely gone after this year. I mean, if Darnell Wright were to have a strong, uh, I guess, stretch through the SEC and found himself with maybe a fourth round, I mean, he could be potentially gone too. So now you start looking at next year going, okay, who are, who are the tackles going to be? So I think finding some of those offensive tackles through the transfer portal is going to be a probably number one concern of the staff moving forward. Um, and Swain, as far as the Cooper Mays thing, you know, everyone keeps bringing up that he, you know, he didn't take himself out, or the coaches didn't take himself out uh, during the Florida game. Actually, when he got hurt versus Pitt, he stayed in that game for two, three plays until there was a stoppage, and then pulled himself out. If you go back and look at the tape, you could see him slow to get up. He stayed in there, gutted it out. So, I mean, I give this kid all the credit in the world, but when does – when like, if, if you're a coach, if you're a position coach, you know that, hey, you know, a guy's going to be out there and he's doing it on one leg because he just refuses to come out. I mean, and you kind of see it like a trend of that. When do you – not necessarily call timeout, but, I mean, when do you instruct that guy, you know, hey, maybe go down and – you know, allow us to get an injury timeout so we don't have to burn a timeout. I mean, I know it's a bigger conversation, and I don't know if there's necessarily one answer to it, but, I mean, this isn't the first time you've seen, you know, Cooper try and gut it out is sort of my point. And, you know, it's it, it could be potentially costly because if some D-tackle comes up the middle and blasts your quarterback, uh you know that, that now you're potentially, you know, causing two injuries off of one. What mm-hmm. What are your all thoughts on that? I'll hang up. Uh, great stuff, Justin. As always, thank you. Well, you got you got to make that determination if you are Josh Heupel. Number one, you have a report on Cooper's ankle. Can it get worse? If you feel like it, it can get worse, then you, you have to rest him. Um, do you feel like he is hurting the team if he plays less than 100%? If you feel that's the case, and this is something Justin has just mentioned, then you got to put in at least somebody healthy that can protect themselves and protect, literally and figuratively, protect the quarterback. So these all conversations that Josh Heupel has to have with his, his position coach, in this case is Glenn Ellaby, and the training staff to know exactly how to handle this thing. Because, listen, this is football. Guys play hurt. 
guys play hurt all the time, and there's a fine line between playing hurt and and, and playing injured. And Cooper Mays is injured right now. So when you're playing injured, you can get other people hurt because you're not doing your job right. But you can play hurt. You, you gonna, you gonna, most of these guys are going to play hurt for the rest of the season. Jabari Small is playing hurt. But once it gets to the point where, like, his shoulder is hurting so bad to where he can't even block, he can't even get, you know, have any contact on that shoulder, and it's a passing play, he has to block a, a linebacker or something, and he can't even do that, and then that linebacker has a free rush on the quarterback, that's when you got to take Jabari Small out. So that's that's my take on that whole situation, man. I don't know uh, if you agree or disagree, but, man, the floor is yours. I agree with you. I agree with you. Guys are guys are banged up, and unfortunately, and Josh Eichel admitted this last Thursday, his final media appearance before Florida, he, he admitted that the team is banged up more than he would like. I mean, it's football. You're going to have guys that are banged up. That, that happens. It's, it's a long season. Guys take a ton of hits, but it, it's it's a little more than just guys being banged up right now for Tennessee. And the unfortunate part is that Tennessee doesn't have the depth to overcome the guys that, that are banged up. Uh, and, I mean, say what you will about Butch's tenure, but at least under under Butch, if the starting center got hurt, you had somebody adequate that could come in. And – let me, 14, it was then. But yeah. Yes, but I'm talking about more so like when he established like those 15 and 16 teams. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not a fair comparison because this is Josh Eichel's first season and I'm comparing it to 15, 16. But I'm just talking about just – I'm highlighting the depth. Um, and there is an adequate center that can come in because Jerome Carvin – he, he's adequate enough at center. He, he's serviceable enough at center, but where you don't have the, the adequate offensive lineman to come in is when you have to, to put somebody in at left guard because you slid Jerome over to center. And you're already dealing with an injury to Karon Calvert. You're dealing with an injury to, to Riley Locklear, essentially, who medically retired. Uh, Locklear would, would be in there at guard. Uh, Calbert probably at tackle, and then Cade moves in at, at left guard. Uh, Jameer Johnson, if he was still here, could slide in and play left guard if needed to or play tackle, and Cade goes in into guard. Same with Wanye. Uh, you, you just don't have the, the guys to, to replace those who are getting injured because if Jabari Small can't go this weekend, then you're relying on true freshman Jalen Wright. And I think Jalen Wright's going to be a terrific back for Tennessee – at some point, but not in his fifth game as a true freshman. So it's, it's just really unfortunate that right now Tennessee's more than just a banged-up football team. Like, every football team is starting to to get to that point. Um, it's a little more than that. It's, it's some bad luck involved, and they don't have the guys to replace those that are injured. 865-255-03. Tell me if you remember this, Ben. 2014, Jacob Gillum tore his ACL mm-hmm. and came back and played with a torn ACL. What is the similarities between Jacob Gillum and Cooper Mays other than these two Just guys getting hurt? Being warriors and being willing to, to risk further significant injury for their teammates. I compared it to what you played through when, when you were playing. Uh, I, I can't remember the, the details. It was your knee, right? Uh, high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain, okay. But I couldn't remember because you cracked your kneecap at one point, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. It was it was knee. It was a uh, fracture in my kneecap my junior year and then a high ankle sprain my senior year. But it was the fractured kneecap in yeah. which you should not have continued to play on, correct? Correct. And because – you're, you're an awesome dude and a great teammate and a warrior. You continue to play. And, and that's, what, that's what Cooper is trying to do. It's what Jacob Gilliam did is that they're trying to play when they don't need to be playing. You're right in what you, what you said. Not about stuff about me, but you're right about, you know, about them. Um, the similarities is Jacob Gilliam, Gilliam, Grew up as a lifelong Tennessee fan. 
attended his first game at the age of six. Cooper Mays grew up as a Tennessee fan. That's a, that's that's the similarities, man. You, you trying to tell those guys to get off the field because they hurt? No, man. You have to carry dudes like that off the field because they want to give their offer to Tennessee. So we want guys to give their offer to Tennessee, and they're gonna do it. Like he was literally trying to give his offer to Tennessee. I don't I don't know if Cooper was getting any like crap for playing hurt, which he should shouldn't at all. Um, and the coach should allow him to play hurt up until a certain point, up until that player can't protect himself and he's hurt getting, you know, hurt himself even more where you have long-term damage or he is um, maybe causing danger to his teammates because he can't protect. So those are the only two, two cases where I say you, you pull, you pull a player and um, you know, get him out of there. Eight, six, five, 255 Take a quick timeout. It is hour three here on the Swain event. Swain event is fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Ben McKee, Jason Swain will come back. Uh, we'll chop it up with Austin Price of AllQuest.com. Stay with us.